this short. Jesus is mine. 115. Stand by me 
stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm near a chilly Jordan, or the lily of the valley stand by me.
There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its prayer. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Tells me all the Savior's love. Who died to set me free. Tells me all the Savior's love. Sinners perfectly. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first turn your Bibles to Philippians in chapter 2 once again as we're looking at our fourth lesson in the book of Philippians. Tonight we're going to close out this chapter by God's grace, but 
This evening, my main focus is going to be upon the saints of God. It's going to be upon our lives and what we portray in our lives. The Bible states here that we're to work out our own salvation. And as we deal with this subject tonight, I want us to understand what that really means. It's not working for salvation, but it's working because of salvation. James tells us very plainly that uh, faith without works is dead. So we understand that those that are truly saved by the grace of God have a, have a work to do. They are ordained of God to perform in certain ways. And that's not just in works, but our attitudes, our Christian walk and behavior, everything uh, that, that the Word of God is saying here is for the betterment of the church and for His glory, of course. I'm going to read a few of these verses, and I'm going to read all of them tonight, but I'm going to start at verse 12, where the Bible states, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to do, uh, at, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be what? Blameless. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I shall joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. I'm going to stop right there tonight because that is the bulk of our message. From uh, verse 19 all the way down through verse 30, we, we're dealing with uh, the reception of, a, of another worker, a man of God, or what have you, and so we will come across that in just a moment. But I want to, first of all, look at some of these thoughts, and as we, uh, as we are the, the New Testament Baptist Church, I want to ask us a question tonight. Are we doing everything possible that we may glorify God in our bodies, in our lives, and our attitudes? It's a question we all need to ponder from time to time. Because it is as this old life can throw a lot of curveballs at us. There's a lot of darkness that can spring up unawares. There's a lot of things that can happen in our lives that cause us to maybe forget from time to time who we are and whose we are. I just pray tonight that we will have a greater understanding of what Paul was teaching here at Philippi in his, in his writing. And so may God help us. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before your throne, we do so with thankful hearts. Thank you, dear God, for this congregation that have gathered here this evening to worship in spirit and truth. Lord, as we are reminded through thy word in many different times, not just here, 
But we're reminded how our lives ought to be. Our walk, our character. Lord, I pray that we'll never let those things slip out of our mind. For truly, it is the right way to bring glory to Your name. Lord, I pray for this church family. I pray, dear God, for Your protection upon her. Care for her, O God. Leading God in each and every one of our lives. And Father, may we be that light shining in a dark world. May we be that, that pinnacle where souls can look up to. Lord, they can see the lives of Thy children and understand that's one of the greatest things that an individual could come to. A life lived for Christ. Lord, bless us tonight. Help us tonight, dear God, to glean from Thy Word. We ask that You will forgive us our sin in Christ's name. And Amen. I want to bring a message tonight. Our actions speak louder than our words. Emmanuel, to our visiting friends, the Apostle Paul's great desire for the church of Philippi was that their lives would be the perfect example to the world around them. In today's society, to be honest with you, talk is cheap. Many are those who will get on Facebook or they'll get on their Tiki Talk, whatever that is. I think it's TikTok actually. Or they'll do some other media outlets and they'll talk as they're the greatest Christians walking. And yet when you see them in their personal lives, the very first thing that comes up that they don't agree with, you see, you see all kinds of, of anger and, and, and almost, a, almost a, a sinful way of speaking to others. Lives that ought to be examples of maturity and faithful Christian walk are sometimes easier said than done. When the fact of the matter is, in all reality, their lives and action indeed do not speak to the same language as their words. It's just like when Peter was sitting around the fire, and I think I heard this mentioned the other day, where the damsel spoke as, as Jesus Christ was inside being tried. Peter was there warming himself by the fire. And he began to deny Jesus Christ. They said, oh no, your speech is betraying you. You're exactly who we think you are. In other words, I mean, I'm paraphrasing there. His speech betrayed him, did it not? And folks, there's a lot of times today that our speech betrays us. We say one thing, and yet there's another thing happening in our lives. So Paul was and is here exhorting the saints of God to prove out their own salvation by words and deeds. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling was the word. Prove it by more than just words. Make sure your actions bear witness to the words that you're letting out. So first of all tonight, in these first few verses that I just read in verse 12 down through verse 18, we see the word, the word of God is telling us to prove our salvation by our deeds. The Apostle Paul here is advising the saints of Philippi to make sure that your deeds match your words. 
As I've said before, words are cheap. It's easy to tell somebody I'm a Christian. It's easy to say that I'm saved. But I ask you tonight, what do they see as they look at your personal life? Do they see a Christian or do they just see another human of the world? In James, in chapter 1, again, as I said, James has a lot to do with this, this work and deeds ethic. And I want you to think about this. In James 1, uh, verse 19, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity, and of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was." But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Folks, I want you to know tonight that James had, James had this thing uh, 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 pinned down here. Don't, don't be that one who is always, always uh, uh, saying one thing and doing another. James 2 and 14, notice what it says here. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? What does it profit if you say you've got all these things spiritually, but yet you're not willing to help those around you? I'm talking about in the spiritual sense. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Folks, I want you to know tonight that these are things that we need to really grasp a hold of. In Philippians 2.14, the Bible declares, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We ought to always be the encourager and not the one who's always seeking and, and seeking a way to uh, uh, destroy somebody else or, or uh, be that one that speaks ill of everybody else. Don't be a fly. You know, I hear this all the time. You're flying in an ointment. You know what? I don't care for a fly getting in my ointment if it's a if it's a rubbing compound, but I sure don't want a fly getting in my pudding. Now my pudding is something else. I don't want a fly messing with my pudding. So as I as I look at this thought, and I I was understanding today as I said in my study, and I was looking at this this message, I ask myself: Am I somebody that's an encourager, or am I a discourager? We all need to think about that. What do people see when they look at you? What do people hear when they hear your voice? Is it words of encouragement? 
Is it words of enlightenment? Is it words that's going to lift one up? Or is it words that's going to tear somebody down? James 4, 11 and 12. Here the Bible states this, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? We go back, we go to Ezekiel chapter 33. You know, in Ezekiel, all the time that you're looking at Ezekiel, the words that are coming forth from Ezekiel is speaking to this as a... As, as the man of God, it states, states this in Ezekiel chapter 33. And look at verse 30, down through verse 33. The Bible says, Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of their houses. Boy, I tell you what. You know one of the best ways to put down some of that evil talk is to have somebody that's righteous enough to stand up and say, listen, we don't want to hear that. That's just like gossip as it comes forth. You know, one of the best ways to stop gossip is to just put a stop to it in its tracks. Here, as we're looking at what the man of God is being told, it says also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of their houses. It's just like that proverbial uh, uh, vert, uh, uh, portion where, where a man will say, you know, let's go up to the house and we're going to have, have the preacher for dinner. Well, they didn't really mean that literally, folks. Have the preacher for dinner. You know, this is what this is speaking of here. When people go and they begin to down somebody else or... Or did you see what so and so did? Or did you hear what they what they said? Listen, notice what it says here. It says, "And speak one to another, every one his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord." And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they set before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. Sounds like a modern day preacher, doesn't it? Sounds like a lot of modern day churches. They hear the word. Maybe they're getting tired of hearing this preacher. But they will not do them. For, their, for with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on the instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when, is, and when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet had been among them. You know, a lot of times, and, and I'm, not, I'm not using this as a portion of Scripture to ridicule this church at all. But know this, I know a lot of times people don't realize what they had until it's gone. That's just like when the well, you don't, you don't, don't miss the water until the well runs dry. Folks, I'll tell you what, this is the same thing that Ezekiel is speaking of here. 
In Ephesians 5 and 19, the Bible says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. How can you do that if the church is always against itself? You see, church, that's a reason why. That's a reason why I'm so thankful for the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm not saying we're perfect. But there's one thing I do know. I know this is a people that loves the Word of God. They love the, they love the fellowship of the house of God. And they love the things of it. Folks, that means everything to a pastor. You need to realize that and remember that. What's the display left in, in its wake? Listen, we need to be a light shining brightly in a dark world. Are you working out your own salvation with fear and trembling? If one is truly saved, listen, good works will follow because God hath before ordained that that should happen. You say, well, what does that mean? You know, you hear Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 all the time. But if you look at verse 10, the Bible says we're ordained unto good works. That word there, that word simply means that we are we have been prepared in advance. Is what that word actually means there in that word ordained in the Greek in that one particular verse of scripture in verse 10. It means that we have been prepared in advance. What does Philippians 1 6 say? Let's go back there for just a moment. Church, we can never let down our guard because that's when Satan will take advantage of you. The Bible says in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will do what? He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Till the day of Jesus Christ, we are going, we are ordained to fulfill his will, and that is Complete our good works. Now, secondly, and I've only got two points tonight. <laughs> I want you to notice with me tonight how the Apostle Paul and others felt about this church family. Now, as we look at verse 19 down through verse 30, you see, you see a group of individuals and, and co-workers and co-labors with Paul who had a real affection for Philippi. Now not all the churches are the same. But Philippi was a church that all those workers with Paul, man, they, they just adored him. They loved him. Because Philippi was showing the things that Paul was saying. Philippi was a church that was working out her own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippi was a church that was displaying her love to everybody who would come in, not just here and there, but they displayed their love to a whole, the whole congregation. To every person that came in. Brother Jim, uh, what was it that brother, our brother said uh, uh, Sunday morning? You told me something. In his travels, he said this was the pinnacle. Folks, that means something. That ought to mean something to you. And I said that not 
Not to lift you up more than what it, what should be, but listen, it ought to be recognized that people look at you and they see something special here. They see something special. He said this has been the pinnacle of His travel in the States. This church. Her love. Her excitement. All the children. I mean, He, was, he, couldn't, he couldn't say enough about this church. You know why? Because your light was shining forth. He could see. He could sense. You can feel the love. You can feel the camaraderie. You can feel the excitement. You can feel the, the, the wanting to see what else is going to happen. That's what I, that's why I like to see it. So that's what we see here in, this, in the rest of this text. Where the Bible states this in, in verses 19 down through verse 30, here we can see the difference between a job holder and a pastor. That's, I was talking to uh, Brother Jeremy about this, this just this evening. You know, the pastorate is not to be looked at as a job or vocation. This is a calling. You know, on a job or vocation... You can quit quite readily any time that you have a problem. That's enough. I don't want no more of this job. Very few people stick it out anymore if they get to a job and they, you know, well, this is just not, this ain't my cup of tea. Listen, I'll tell you what, when we were growing up, growing up, when we got married, we didn't have jobs. You couldn't find a job back in the late 70s, early 80s. You couldn't find nothing nowhere. You was fortunate to have a job anywhere. And whatever you done, listen, it was okay. But today, you can have a good paying job. I mean, big time job. And people just walk away from them like ain't nothing. Boy, I, I never could do that. I'll never forget when I left the sawmill and went to the refinery. I couldn't believe the money I was making. That I couldn't believe. I ain't no right to do that. <laughs> You leave and you're driving 108 miles a day to work in a sawmill for 3.35 an hour if you're lucky. If you're doing piecework, some days you got $2 an hour. That was back in 1984. Then you go to work in a place where a lot of times you was just standing there and didn't know what to do, but you're still getting paid to do it. Folks, I, I, you know what? Today's society, people... People just walk away when they, things get tough. There's a lot of preachers today that just walk away when things get tough. You know why? Because it wasn't their calling. It was a job to them. It was a job. That's all it was. I hear men today talk about, I hear men today in the, in the preaching realm that, that, talk about the, that talk about it like it's a job. Listen, now, it's, it's more than a job. It's a calling. It's what God puts on a man's heart. It's not something that you just wake up and say, I think I'm going to be a preacher today. Believe me, it's not what you, it's not what you do if you're a real preacher. If you're a real man called of God, God calls you. And you know what? He puts that desire in you. Where did that come from? It come from God. God put that in you. And that's what Paul is stating here about all these men that wanted to be there in Philippi. Even the, even Ephroditus. And, and here Ephroditus was a man that almost died in the ministry. 
He was a man of God who almost died in the ministry. But God brought him back and, and healed him. And he says, I'm going to send him. You know why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He wants to hear of your well-doing. Yes, the pastor is not a job. It's, a, it's, it's not a vocation. It's a calling. People today who look for a pastor insist on applications and resumes. What you need to be doing is praying for a pastor, God, to send a pastor. A man who only looks at the pastor as another job will never care for the flock like one that God places. Jeremiah 3.15, he says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. In John 10, verse 12 and 13, it speaks about the fact of, uh, of that, that under-shepherd who cares for the sheep, who cares for the fold. He's not going to scatter it, but there are those that scatter it when trouble begins to come. When they flee, the sheep are scattered. And you know what happens when sheep are scattered? They're open prey for anything that comes their way. And folks, we're seeing it happen every day. Need to pray for these churches that are looking for pastors. You know, we got our new sheets in today, and you know what? There's a pile of churches that need pastors, and that's that's not even that's not even a a drop in the bucket to what we know right around here that need the churches that need pastors. Philippians in two and twenty nine, the man of God speaking of the man of God it says to receive him therefore. In the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. In Philippians 2.25 we see the credentials of Paul sent with Ephroditus. He was a companion in labor. A fellow soldier. But he was their messenger. Remember church family. Our actions and deeds speak volumes. It speaks about what's truly in our hearts. There's a portion of Scripture that talks about that. What's really inside our hearts one day is going to come out. You can put on for a little while, but you can't put on forever. That's just like love. You can fake it for a while, but you can't fake it forever. Folks, I want you to know something. I love the Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church. And I hope that I've treated her as more than just a job, but an actual place where God has called me to pastor. And I hope that you've received that. I hope you're like the people of Philippi who received Ephroditus with every bit of their love and all, their, all the love that they could muster. In 1 John 3, and I'm going to come to a close here. In 1 John chapter 3. Notice what it says here as you begin looking at verse 11. The Bible says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. 
Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, this is what Ephroditus had done through the ministry. He would gave his all. He had done everything in his power, and his body paid the price for it. Folks, I'll tell you what. You go back and you study the apostles. You go back and study how Isaiah died. You go back and study how these men were sawn asunder. You know what that meant? Starting from the head and dividing the body clean in two all the way down. Sawn asunder. This is what happened to many of our, our, uh, the preachers of the past. Sawn asunder. Drawn and quartered. Have you ever seen that in pictures? It's an awful atrocity that happened to many Christians. How they would be tied in four points of their bodies and they would be pulled, to, pulled apart by horses. You see, a lot of these people died giving their life for the cause of Christ. Ephroditus was a man who nearly died giving his life for the ministry. But the Lord done a work in him. He allowed him to come back. Allowed him to be a blessing as they were a blessing to him. The Bible states this, Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. And he shall and shall assure our hearts before him. Tonight as Paul was in the middle of this letter. Writing this epistle to Philippi. He had a desire for Philippi. He wanted them to keep on doing what they've been doing. May the Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church keep on keeping on. May your love continue to grow for each other, for your teachers, for your deacons, for your pastor. May, you, may, uh, may this whole body love more than you've ever loved before. You say, well, how can that be? I don't know. I don't know. But I know God puts it in our hearts to be better. And I pray that He'll do that with us tonight. Let's all stand, please.